You're listening to the Exchange Place Podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Exchange, where our hearts, souls, and ears come together for reciprocity and transformation. I am your host, Deborah Faith, and when we get together, we explore topics that help us to better understand ourselves and one another. The Exchange is my personal invitation for you to take inventory of your life. This is our space to be free, vulnerable, transparent. So live in it, learn from it, invite others to it, and most of all, protect it. Take care of it and it will take care of you. Welcome back to another Exchange Podcast. I am your host, Deborah Faith. And today I have an amazing guest. Oh my God. I can't even believe she's sitting in the same room right now. I can't believe that she came and she accepted the offer. Um, But we have Africa Lee Nelson in the building. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. And Africa to me is, oh my God, I've known you, I feel like most of my life. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not most of it, but most of my adult life, I'll say that. Um, I met you back in 97, I want to say, while I was attending fashion school, <laughs> business Ooh, school. I know, a long time ago, right? Many, many moons ago. Many, many moons ago. And it's so funny because I met you through somebody that I grew up with. And we're really, I I really don't even speak to her any longer. And me and you, I don't know. We just connected Mm -hmm. and we never lost touch. And we watched each other go through, I think, becoming from, what what can I say? Becoming young ladies into women, into motherhood, you getting married. We watched, I don't know, just each other evolve. Um so to speak and I love you first of all I really do I love you because you are one of those people that has watched me I mean good and bad times evolve and our relationship has been able to evolve through that you know what I mean and I can't say that about everybody um but tonight we are actually talking about a very sensitive topic um and I said we've gone through good things but we've also gone through some tough some tough areas and of course we're celebrating or not I don't even want to say celebrating but I want to say celebrating to a certain extent we're celebrating um mental health awareness month and I say celebrating it because I think we haven't for so long especially in our communities um it it hasn't been something that we acknowledge bring awareness to or anything and I, as I was, I was preparing for this month, and I told you this, um, mental health, you were one of the first people that came to mind because I really wanted to talk about suicide. Um, and I was so, I, I was so afraid 
having we talk about hard conversations and I'll be honest with the listeners so afraid to ask you because I know what you had gone through um and I wasn't sure where you were in that process right um you lost your brother to suicide um probably about 10 years ago 11 11 April 16th wow and I just wasn't sure if you were ready. I mean, I know we talk about it, but coming to a podcast, coming to a place where people are going to hear you, see you, you know what I mean? It's different. So I was actually afraid to ask you to come on the show. I can't believe you were afraid to ask <laughs> I you. was, I was, I was. And I'll tell you why. I, I, um, I actually told my business partner, me and her were talking and I was just like, Um, I really want to talk about suicide. And I mentioned you and I was just like, I just, I don't know if that's the right thing to ask. And when we went out to dinner, you were like, what's going on with the podcast? I was like, yeah, we're doing mental health awareness. And I shared that story. I was like, I was going to ask you to come on, but I didn't know how. And you were like, of course I will come on. And I was like, really? (laughs) I was like, really? After I thought about it for a second, like, oh gosh. Yeah, Yeah. But I was like... Okay, I want to bring you on and I want to bring you on or wanted to bring you on more so because I think it's something we don't talk about. Um, I know for me, it was I got the news through our mutual friend before I had even talked to you. I don't even know if you know the story. I don't. Um, So I know. right? (laughs) So I got the news through um, our mutual friend at that time. And I I was such in a shock place. Um, and I, I talked about this on the previous podcast and I really didn't know we talk all the time. Right. Um, but I didn't know what to say, or I felt like I didn't know what to say. And I remember driving to work. It took me a few days to even call you. And I knew, right. And this is just, again, I don't think I've ever told you this. And I was driving to work and you were so heavy on my heart and I wanted to call you. Right. And I remember praying, God, what do I say, right? And God reminded me at that period of time, not that I knew what it was to lose somebody to suicide, but you know, I had lost my sister at 12 years old as well. And I was like, I know what it is to be the older sibling and the responsibility I felt when I lost my my sister. And I'll tell you this, I, I think, not that it made my sister's death make sense, but it gave me a purpose in what I had experienced to even reach out to you. Yeah. So well, we did connect on that level. We did. We did. Because I always knew that. Yeah. yeah so. so I think when I, I reached out to you, again, I still wasn't sure, but I was like, I, I, I don't know exactly what you're going through, but I do know the loss. You know, I know great loss. I know, and I said this in the other podcast, I know what it is to feel like you have somebody in your hands and feel like they slipped through. Mm, yeah. Um, and I know the blame that I experienced. And I just want to, I, I not only want to celebrate AD's life, um, and that's why we have him up on the screen, but I, I really want to talk about, because I, I think that people don't understand how many people we're losing in the age range that age range that we lost him to suicide. I did a little bit of research of that and it's like 800,000 people a year. 
So that's like literally like roughly like we're we're literally you losing like every 40 seconds somebody's dying of suicide and young people, right? They're getting younger and younger. And younger and younger and younger. So I just I, I want you first of all to tell the people about AD. Um, I, I, of course, I want to talk about suicide, but I, I want to talk about the person. I want to talk about, I know that I knew um, from school, the one thing I remember is you loved your family, right? I know that you, and he was almost like your first baby, so to speak. You got that. You hit it right on the head. Yeah. So before I had kids, it was him. Yeah. Because we were 13 years apart. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. So can you tell us just a little bit about him and just who he was prior to, of course, you losing him? Yeah. Yeah. So his name was Aaron Derek Lee, but we called him AD for short. Um, at the time of his death, he was 19. Yeah. Um, but prior to all of that, he was just my young, my only brother, yeah. the baby of the family. Um, we have a sister in the middle. Gotcha. Um, just a regular family of five. Yeah. Um, he was a father when he passed. He had a 10, 10 month old daughter. Gotcha. Um, he was just silly, funny, your average teenager, but he loved sports. Yeah, I know that. I remember. I he remember. was great at football. Yeah. So his infamous, infamous number was 33. So you'll see the picture, everything around him was 33. Yeah. Um, he loved dogs. He had a dog at the time. Yeah. Loved riding motorcycles. Just your average kid. Just and he was a kid because he was nineteen. He was nineteen. I have a nineteen-year-old, so he was still yeah, he's still super a baby. Young, yeah, a uh, baby. So I, I guess in all of that, so he he's successful in, in football. He's you know he was a handsome, handsome, handsome. Yes, you guys were almost like twins, like. So I guess in that, did you see like his behavior change? Was there something different that happened somewhere in there that you kind of saw happening and just probably thought it was, you know, I know that whether it's boys or girls at 18, 19, you're just trying to figure it out. We don't, you know what I'm saying? We don't know kind of what's next. I know that from, you know, me being 18 or 19, you're kind of trying to figure it out at that point. So can you tell me like, what changed in that, or was there a change that you even saw? No, so there was a change, probably around 12 years old. You mm-hmm. know, you go through pre-puberty. Yeah. So we all have that, like, change of hormones and things like that. Yeah. Um, Just around 12, 13, he really did start to change. Have, like, some low times. Just, okay. like, you know, come on the low side. He was always, like, a quiet person, but he had moments where he didn't want friends. If he had friends over at the house, when he was tired, you had to go. Yeah. Like, I don't care what we're doing. Bye. You gotta go. You gotta go. He ready for his alone time. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, as he went through the teen years, um, you kind of saw him, those times get worse. Yeah. But, he, you know, he'd bounce back. I'd probably say they got worse mm, around 17. Gotcha. Yeah. So I guess the the worst times, did you just think, did you ever think he was depressed or were you thinking that he's just kind of, you know, it's girl? Because I think around that time, it's hard, that's a very hard age. I also have a 14-year-old, right? So it's hard to gauge that. Like, my 14-year-old now is like kind of, he wants to be by himself. He wants to be with mm-hmm. his friends. Sometimes he doesn't want to be around anybody. Again, it's kind of puberty. It's girls. It's all that kind of stuff. So did... Do you think that you just kind of tied that to that or or the family in general since he was such a go-lucky yeah, kid? Yeah, we did. Um, yeah. But we also tied it to football. Okay. 
So he started playing football when he was five years old. Okay. We all know the statistics with concussions and head injuries from football. Gotcha. So wow. when it got to a point, you know, we started seeing the change in him. And some of the changes were just really withdrawn. Okay. Um, pushing people closest to him away. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Um, he did have some attempts before I don't want to say successful, but before yeah. he did pass away. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was kind of like it wasn't just out of the blue. Gotcha. We did have other episodes. And so, you know, we did have him checked out. You know, gotcha. he did ask to go to a hospital. So we did have other instances prior to that day where we saw the signs and we kind of just saw it escalate Yeah. to that point. Yeah. So I guess when, when he was getting help, in that place of like going to the hospital because you said he had previous attempts right did you feel helpless in that place of just like not being able to really assist him in in that sense of things absolutely so I think the one that sticks out the most is was the first one okay where he really it wasn't that he attempted but he was very adamant like if I don't get help this is what's gonna happen so it was just like Okay. Okay. Let's My parents help you. made sure he went and got help. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, that did help. You know, they put you, they check you in, they put you into an inpatient for a couple of days, they gotcha. evaluate you. Um, you know, they give you medications. I remember him saying he hated the way the medication made him feel. And I've heard that from a I've lot of different people. I've heard that from a lot of people. Um, I, and I think we had not not necessarily a, a mutual friend, but I know someone else that was close to a friend of ours ended up um, committing suicide as well. And I remember the part of the letter that she wrote was she, she was bipolar. I think that was her condition, I want to say. Um, and they had put her on meds and she said she couldn't take what the meds made her feel like. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of it. So I, in that, I guess, do you do you think the meds are helping people or is that hard to gauge? I mean, I know we're not therapists. We're not doctors. Just, we're we're not, not doctors. We, you know, <laughs> disclaimer. Um, but do you think the meds were, I guess, after he got help and he had meds that one time, was he supposed to continue doing yes. the meds? Yeah. Yeah, he was supposed to continue. Um, I think... You know, everybody is different. Yeah. For some people, the meds work and they work great. Yeah. For some people, they may need an adjustment. Okay. And for some people, they just don't like the side effects at all. Like, they hate the way that they make them feel. feel. And he was one of those that he hated the way it made him feel. Yeah. So it got to a point where I remember him saying to my mother that he just didn't want to take them. So, of course, that's not the best thing to do because, you know, once you start taking something like that and then you just stop cold turkey... Um, I think it makes it worse. Gotcha. So it kind of seemed like he escalated really after the medication. Mm. So can you walk me through? And again, I, we, we should have got tissues for this, but <laughs> I guess, can you, can you walk me to, through your perspective and, and the day that oh, you lost, that you lost your brother to suicide? Yeah. Um, I'll never forget it. So at the time, uh, he was living in Georgia with my parents. Mm-hmm. Um, he had just graduated the year before. So, you know, like I said, he was a teen dad. So, you know, that pressure, pressure, pressure exactly. That, yeah. Taking care of a child when you're still a child. Yeah. Um, so I remember distinctly the day before me and my mother's relationship at the time was a little rocky. Okay. Um, and she had called me the day before and we, we hadn't talked 
in a while. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had talked, but not like this. Not like that. We talked for hours the day before. So I literally remember the full 24 hours from the day before. Mm -hmm. So when she called me the next day, I was at work in my car eating lunch. And when she called, I didn't think. I was just like, oh, she's just calling to check in. And I remember her saying that AD had shot himself. And then from that point on, it was just like, okay, what does that mean? Well, like, I was about to say, yeah. I think subconsciously I knew that he was gone but didn't really grasp it at that moment. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of wandered. I remember wandering into my building. You know, I always make faces. My face is always twisted yeah, up. Yeah, they, they tell a story. They tell a story. <laughs> so when I got inside, I remember a coworker. she was in the middle of a conversation. And she looked at me and she was just like, what is wrong? And I just remember saying like, brother shot himself and she just dragged me in an office and I just like lost it. lost it like I just remember like and they're like who do we call I couldn't even think to call my husband I'm just like I, I couldn't function like yeah. just completely not blacked out but it was a complete outer body experience gotcha. Ooh. <sighs> yeah I think that's the first time I was able to tell that story and not cry wow wow I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine. And what what do you do after that? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, and not not literally, mm -hmm. but like, how do you even process and begin to, I guess, heal from that um, trauma that you you know that it's like your baby, 13 years apart. That's you've seen him as a baby. You watched him grow up. I watched him hold from the day he came home. I remember. The day he came home, I remember when my mother had him and we went to go see him at the hospital for the first time. Mm -hmm. So his last day. So yeah. to watch a whole lifespan to me is crazy. Yeah, it is. Um, what what has the grief process been like for you? Um, I can't I can't imagine. I'm trying to get myself together in here. Um, you trying to make me cry? I know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. I just, you know, I, I feel deeply. And as you were telling the story, I just, I, and I, I'm sure as the listeners were listening to that, you know, it's just, it's it's the, the trauma at that particular time. And it is him being um, away from you. Mm. I know he lives with you for a, a little while. Um, and I, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I, I felt you, I, you know what I mean? I put myself in that predicament of, you know, losing somebody and not being able to do anything, especially, you know, a younger, a younger sibling. Mm -hmm. um, so I guess the grief process of that, what has been your grief process of that? And, and I know there's such a, there's such a stigma attached to, um, suicide that it's almost I, I don't want to say it's a, I, I want you to speak to it but I almost feel like it's a different grief process than just losing somebody from something else um, because that's kind of people's first question when you say hey I lost whomever right it's like oh my god what happened right and I think that's something that most people don't share um, and you kind of sometimes it, there's actually somebody that I know who lost somebody close, and of course I never ask the question what happened. I'm always just like, you know, I'm sorry. 
but I, I feel like that it was probably suicide, but I feel like that's not something you can say. Somebody can proudly, I don't want to say proudly say, but kind of say, oh, I lost my, my, my father to cancer. I lost, when you say suicide, I feel like you're looked at differently. Absolutely. And so I, I think you're grieving sometimes at the same time, kind of you're put in this box of, and I, I don't know if it's shame, right? But like, I think people, I know, I, listening to you, I know if that was me, if I put myself in that, would I have that conversation with just, of course you wouldn't have it with anybody, but to say that, you, I feel like that person is looked at differently. You know what I'm saying? That person, um, that person's family. Yeah. Um, it is different. Almost like, you know what I'm saying? You had something to, to do, do with, with it. it right. or like, Why didn't you stop why it? Why didn't you stop it? Or... I just think there's so many different stigmas that come along with um, suicide that some people have a harder time grieving just their loss because people don't recognize suicide like, of course, it's a loss, but like other things are recognized. Do you know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. So I guess when it came to grieving, how did you even start that process? I mean, I know we talked a lot around that time and I tried to be there the best way that I knew how. Um, But if I'm honest, you know, I I could relate to a portion of it, but I couldn't, you know what I'm saying? I I couldn't relate. I always was like, you know, you had him 19 years. I only had my sister for 10. So like, you know, I, I tried to look at it through that lens. I know that's not, you know, everybody's lens of it, but you know, I was, you were blessed enough to have 19 years to, you know, you have a, you have a, a niece or a nephew, a niece, a yeah. niece, right? I thought it was a niece, a niece out of it that you still get to see him in her, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so I know I always tried to give you that positivity and just be, you know, a shoulder to cry on when you needed to. But I guess what was your grieving process? And I know grief, grief doesn't necessarily end. I hate that people think that it, it does. It is forever. Yeah. So I, I guess how, how did you grieve? What kind of kept you above water? What kind of kept you functioning and as successful as you are and just being the mom, being the wife that you are? Um, so initially I remember the day after his funeral, I will say I could not get out of bed Mm -hmm. that day. Like it was like my body had completely shut shut down. down. Yeah. Like I I just couldn't move. Yeah. Um, but from that point on, if it wasn't for me having young kids at the time, because Mm -hmm. at the time my son was five and my daughter was one. So it was like, okay, you got young kids. You just can't lay in the bed all day. You do have a job. You got to go back at some point. And of course, you know, I had a husband or I have a husband. Yeah. Um, So you still got to do those day-to-day things. Um, But you just kind of like, did that really happen? Did it happen? And he had been staying with us um, the month before he passed. So for March, he had been there. Um, And then in the beginning of April, he went down to Georgia to stay with my parents. Gotcha. So it was kind of like, okay, well... I know that it happened, but I didn't. I wasn't seeing them every day, so maybe I could just act like this didn't happen. Wow. That's kind. You have to kind of play with your mind. I a little love bit. that you said that. I love that you. I've never shared this a day in my life with anybody, but I remember when my sister died, and I would just pretend that she was in another room when I was in the house. I would the things that, of course, went through my head, not getting therapy. 
and everybody else kind of acting as if everything was okay. I remember I would if I was at the grocery store, I'd be like, she's at home mm-hmm. in my head. And I've never said that out loud because I sound so crazy. So when you say that, I totally, like, I totally, totally relate to that. I totally understand that. I was just like, I don't know if that's considered avoidance. I don't know what that was. Like, it's I called just, survival. Yeah, it just, it, and you, you, you ain't never lied. I was about to say, maybe that was what kept me sane, like you said kept you saying but I I don't, I don't know that I ever thought about that I, I never thought to share that to any with anybody because of course I would think they would look at me like <laughs> what in the world is is you know is wrong with me um but it's real it's, it's real, real and that's what trauma does to you um did you ever see counseling did I did so um my mother stayed up here longer than my father I think he went back okay sooner and then she stayed up here for a little while just just to be here make sure we were all right yeah um so I I found a counseling uh specific for suicide survivors okay um I did like a pre-counseling session I was like let me just see if this is something we really want to do so I went I thought it was good I brought my mother and my sister the next visit I love that so you guys did family counseling we did one session of family counseling. Okay. And my sister was, at the time, she was just like... She wasn't ready. She wasn't ready. Yeah. Everybody grieves differently. differently. I agree. So how I handled it isn't necessarily the way that she had to handle it. And yeah. the same thing with my mother. So my mother was kind of like his diary. She went to him... Oh, he went to her with everything. Mm-hmm. So I can't imagine what she was feeling at the time. And even, I don't want to leave my father out. Yeah. You know... He didn't know what my, like my mother just sat and talked with my brother for hours on end. They were like freaking frack. Yeah. Um. So we went to that one session, and it was okay. okay. They just were like, I, I'm not, I can't do this. I went back for a couple more visits okay. to where it was. It became group therapy with different survivors. Okay. Um. I think I went three more times, and then it was just like, I can't do this week after week after week. It was too much. It was too much. Yeah. Like, I didn't want to get stuck in that deep grief. Gotcha. Because I felt like I would have never been able to move out of that. Gotcha. So, you know, that helped. And then you just, I think my kids kind of forced me through. Um, It was weird because I got to a point where I I didn't even want to say his name. Mm, Why not? Because, not that I didn't want to say his name, but it was like a trigger. Like and made you remember that. just saying his name just brought on an outburst. Like it was just like I don't even want to think about him not being here. Gotcha. So I did like I said, I did a couple sessions and then it was just kinda like life moved on. Mm-hmm. I did some, you know, I don't want to say I read books, but I would just do online searches, read articles, things like that. Gotcha. Um and then I got to a point, now mind you, this was eleven years ago. Mm-hmm. So around what is this? 2021. Oh gosh. Yeah. So I know. Like, <laughs> so 2019, I was looking online, mm-hmm. and no, I take that back. So 2018, my sister signed us up for this um, survival walk. Okay. Through the American Foundation for Suicide Awareness. I'm sorry, even, suicide prevention. I didn't know that they even had that. Yes. That's awesome. So it's called. Uh, I think it's called a walk in the dark. And it's just strictly mm. family members of those who have passed away from suicide. So it's kind of like a club. I don't want anybody else to have to be in, but it's kind of like this non-judgmental place 
where you walk, you make t-shirts, you make signs, and they have them all across the state. And okay. you just walk with that person's name or, or face on you okay. just to show, you know, you're still thought of yeah. kind of like a kind of like grief counseling in a yeah. way, but you're not talking. You're just taking a nice little walk. Yeah. So that helps. And then I was just like, you know, this sounds like a nice organization. So then I just did some more online research and I found that they have what's called a healing conversations program. Mm. Yeah. So I was like, oh, this is pretty good. So at the time I was just like, I want to do this, but I don't know if I could do this. So what, what does the, I guess the healing conversation is that you talking to other? Yes. So of course they interview you, make sure that you're in a mental place where you can be a help to someone else. So, so much time at this point, it was like eight or nine years. I was able to mentally talk about them and not break down. Gotcha. Um, so I went through the whole interview process. And then w- how it is is uh, the, the recent suicide um, survivor, they request someone reach out to them. Okay. Just to have a conversation. So mm-hmm. that's, it's a healing conversation. So Is they, it just one conversation? It, it's just one conversation. Okay. Because, you know, we're not therapists. Um, so I mean, we all in our are in our own right, right, yeah. in some kind of way. <laughs> yeah, yes. you are. So it's just kind of connecting you with someone that has a similar loss. Okay. So they try to match you with someone that's had, you know, a sibling loss or a spouse okay. or a parent. They try to match you up that way. So it's someone that can really relate to what you're going through. I love that. Yes. So it's to me, it's a great program. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have known about it back then because mm-hmm. it would have been nice to just have somebody on the phone. Now with COVID, it's over the phone. Yeah. But back then, they um, had people come to your house if you want, wanted them to come to your house. Oh, nice. So it's, it's just like a nice non-judgment conversation. I was about to say a safe space it's, to talk about the loss, the yes. great loss that you had. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes. I love that. So now that you're a part of the program, have you had any of those conversations yet? Have you started? I have. I've had conversations. I can't talk about the conversation. No, yes. no, no. We would never but want it. But it to me, the first one that I had, mm-hmm. it, I was, I'm not going to lie, I was nervous. Okay. When they asked me that I want to take it, I'm like, oh my gosh, can I do this? I was like, is, yes, am can. I going to break down in the middle of this conversation? Yes, you can. Um, but I did it. And yeah. it felt good to be a help to someone else. Mm, I love that. It, it did. Um, of course, at some point, I didn't let that person know that I was bawling on the other side of the phone. Yeah. Um, but it was nice to kind of hear some. Not nice to hear someone. I don't want to say that. But, but nice to connect to somebody. It was nice to connect to somebody yeah. that was going through that same thing. Um, and just to let them know that you're not alone. You're not alone. I was about to say, it, that's... That's always, and not, not to cut you off, but that's always an amazing place to be, no matter what the topic is, even as hard as suicide is to deal with, you want somebody who understands. Yes. And to be in that safe place and for you to be able to use AD's life to help somebody get through whatever they're going and your loss of him and that whole process is amazing. And I love that you're doing that. Oh, thank you. I do. I I mean, you're a blessing to me in general, of course, but I just know that is suitable. And I feel like sometimes God has this crazy way of kind of planting you in a place that you know to help others even through your pain mm-hmm. do you feel like you you're healing through that process I do um I did reach out to them and say I like that program okay 
But to me, I would really like to focus before it gets to the suicide part. I love that. Like, I feel like we don't look at mental health issues at the younger age. Middle school. Yeah. I think people just think, oh, it's just hormones. They acting out. No, these kids are really going through stuff. Yeah. It's wow. it's not starting in late high school. It's starting in middle school. Sometimes late elementary school. I know. So I feel like if we started having conversations at that point, at that point, maybe we can try to avoid the suicide part. Yeah. Yeah. Prevention. Yes. Prevention. I totally, totally agree. I, I think about that. I think me and you have a conversation about um, my younger son, how how closely I watch him. Um, just in general, because I just, I know that, you know, kids aren't going to tell you everything. Mm -hmm. I know it was hard for me being a child. I have no idea what it's like to be a little boy in, um, in in 2021, um, with all the access of things. I was about to say all the access, all of, um, social media. I think social media plays a huge part in, you know, um, that I think about, you know, all the crazy stuff that I can go back in my head and talk about that happened in high school or whatever, but there's no record of it. And now we actually have phones that can record. So one incident that you were embarrassed about for maybe a week that people saw you're seeing your whole entire life. And I just, you know, I know with the whole bullying aspect of things and just, you know, the trauma that kids are affected by, even COVID, you know what I mean? Like not being able to be around people right now. Um, my son is very, or has always been outgoing, always playing sports or whatever. So when COVID shut down, it was just like a whole 360. And now he's very comfortable in the whole 360. <laughs> and <laughs> sometimes it scares me. I'm like, okay, my oldest son kind of went through the same stage, but I was watching my oldest and I'm still watching my, my younger one too. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, things that we don't think about. So I guess as far as prevention, what do you think we can do better? Better as parents, first of all, right? We know our kids better than anybody. Mm-hmm. So you have to be aware of the changes. Okay. And look at the signs. Yeah. So you know your son. So you know that if he likes sports and then he wakes up one day and says, I'm not playing football or basketball anymore. You're like, why? And he just can't give you a reason. Mm-hmm. And then he just flat out like shuts down everything or they can't sleep or mm-hmm. they start giving away all their stuff or wow. they just have these real drastic changes that just don't make sense. Gotcha. Those are flags. Those are flags. Yeah. So parents, as you guys are listening, cause I know we have tons of parents that listen in on the podcast, but watch your kids and I, I I know it's so hard kind of in the day and age we live in though COVID has slowed us down I'm guilty of this I'm busy mm-hmm. I, you know I have work I have this I have that so sometimes those things kind of you it's like that I miss that and you can you know what I mean and again I, I I try to keep a good eye on that what do you think about for school systems I, I don't know that schools and I have to ask my kids, but I, I don't think that they, I talk to them probably more about mental health than anything because I'm so big on mental health for myself and just in general. Um, but what do you think schools need to do? Because I, I, I agree with you. I think that it's getting younger and younger and they have access to like we have, which is, which is really, really sick, but they can even Google how, Yep. Mm-hmm. which freaks me out right everything is on the internet everything is on the internet and it's just you know like you said sometimes over access you know it's great to be able to connect to somebody in this 
you know, state or this country or whatever, but there's so much craziness on there. It's like, you don't want to not trust your kids to a certain extent where they're locked down because that's not good either. But I just feel like, do, do you feel, and this is my, my thought, I feel like there should be conversations at those levels about mental health. Mental health is one of those things that's weird. It's like, we go to the doctor for everything else. We will go, you know, you have a pain, you like, I'm going to the doctor. You know what I mean? I have anything going on. We are keen to show up and sit in front of the doctor. But I, I think because it's so, such a stigma attached to those things, and I can even say that I've, I've definitely been suicidal in my life twice. And I never thought to get help. Like, I never thought to, hey, maybe I should, like, something's really, really, really wrong. Um, where I needed to, like, go to a doctor. I've never considered medicine or anything like that. And, you know, I don't I don't feel like I need it. But I, I think there's something attached to that. Even if you do have that, you know, that feeling or that thought that people kind of get shunned away in that area. Mm-hmm. So I, I, what do you think about like programs for children at that, you know what I mean? At elementary age or middle school age, we talk about sex in schools, right? So, and again, something that, you know, we talk about the birds and the bees and, and whatever to prevent pregnancy. But I feel like, what are we really doing about that in, you know, all the mental health issues that we're having and seeing and how much is growing instead of, you know, decreasing um, here, like, what do you what do you think about that? So I think it should really be. I don't want to say mandatory. I would say mandatory. Go ahead. But I feel like it's something that should definitely be in the schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you probably would get some pushback from parents. Because, do you? Yeah, just for the simple fact that it's such a touchy subject. Okay. Um, and you may have parents that feel like. I know my child is going through some things. I don't even want to put this thought in their head because they may act on that thought. Mm. And I'll be honest. So I didn't tell my my son at the time. Like So I was 13 years older than my brother. Mm -hmm. My brother was 13 years older than my son. So it was like that weird connection. And he idolized his uncle. That's the only first generation uncle he's ever had. Right. So... I wasn't honest with him when how he died. I kept that from him. It wasn't mm-hmm. until maybe five years ago that, that he that found conversation. I didn't have that conversation. So a relative accidentally, and they didn't do it on purpose, yeah. but they accidentally said something and it triggered him to think like to put the dots together. Yeah. And he was just like, wait, what? Is that what happened? And he flipped out. Oh. And I... I guess I could say I'd probably be one of those parents to say I probably don't want my child in it because I saw at the time we did see some signs, you know, where he just seemed like sometimes he was depressed. And, you know, depression can run in families. Yeah, it's definitely. It's so it was kind of something like, I don't know if I want to expose him to how mm. he lost his idol. But now looking back, yes, I think it's something that parents need to have their child in just yeah. because it lets them know like if you're having these feelings it's not just you yeah you're not alone yeah um and there's help yeah you can get help yeah I was about to say that I said I think I think sometimes and I think as parents we're always trying to do the best for our children but I feel like 
kids know more than we think that they know. They are way smarter than we give them credit for. And sometimes knowing things, I, I always hated as a child the cover up of things. And I know it was done in a in a grace place of them thinking like I wasn't ready to know certain things or um, they weren't sure how that would affect me. But I feel like I was strong enough to take that. But your parents don't know. They look at you like, yeah, they look That's at a, I know. my child, my baby. Like, yeah, baby. I don't want to. And I know I, I, I could. I, and I understand both sides. I just I've been the child as you were talking. I'm like, dang, there's some things in my life that I learned later on in life. And I was really upset. I was more upset of them keeping it from me. And it was hard. I don't know if it, I can't say it's harder for me to process, but I I felt like I had a harder time processing it older than younger. Mm, And I'll tell you why, because I had created this whole story in my head of those things. Right. And it was like, (laughs) I I, I hated that they didn't tell me the truth because I feel like, my actions and recourse in those those particular areas and I don't want to get too deep into that but would have been different had I known um so I I agree with you I I think there would be both sides of of the fence but I feel like the same way it should still be an offer right um because I'm trying to think, do I have to sign when, when they're doing sex ed for my children? I think you do. Do we have to yes. sign? Okay. Even when they talk about puberty they send home a permission I was about slip. to say they, but I, I would love to have that open up to kids because what you said I'll bring it back is that people want to know that they're not alone and it's no different than the healing conversation is no different than even the space like this podcast is for that um, this special special podcast about suicide is for that because I want people to really listening to someone who is a survivor of someone who committed suicide and you survived it in the sense of some people I can I you know everybody I can't imagine you said if certain things wouldn't have happened you don't know if you could have climbed yourself out so who knows what that brought on for for other people but I guess what I do want to know when you say prevention like and you want to do more of the prevention how are you looking to do that or what What are you planning to do in that area? So the American Foundation uh, for Suicide Prevention, they do have different areas where they reach out to different school districts and they do do programs. Okay. You know, right now it's hard with COVID. Yeah. You ain't getting into nobody's school. I know. (laughs) Talking to nobody's child about nothing. About anything. So I'm hopeful that once, say, maybe September rolls around and everybody's back in school, um, that that's a, a, a area that I could really dive in deeper to. Yeah. yeah. And I think you would be just be again, y'all, the heart that you have, um, the heart for your brother that you have. I'm a ride for him. Forever. I know <laughs> and you always did. And I love that, you know, though he is no longer here with us, that he's living through you mm-hmm. in the sense of what your work will be as you move forward. Yeah. 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 No, I just think that <clears throat> if we can really change the narrative and take the stigma off of suicide. Yeah. I think that would really help a lot of people. Yeah. I really do. So how do you think we go about doing that, though? Acknowledging it. Yeah. Acknowledging that it's 
it's not a it's not the devil no it's not the devil um it's, not. it's a hormonal imbalance depending on what the cause of it is some people suffer from depression some people schizophrenia drug you know drug abuse there's all different things that financial hardships that lead people to make to that, that decision yeah if we just stop acting like that is not a cause of death i think we could really help a lot of people yeah and i'll talk to you about the Instagram post that I saw oh, earlier yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. That really made me feel some kind of way. So I won't say the the bishop's name. Yeah. But there was there's a well known bishop that put up a IG post this morning. You know, yeah. Mother's Day was just Sunday. Um, talking about soul the soul survivor and talking about mothers who have lost their children. Yeah. And they talked about every example of a mother losing their child. Except suicide. Except suicide. Yeah. I, I think for especially our community, I'm gonna be very honest. I I really don't think that we. I think it's getting better. If I'm if I'm, and it depends on what. Again, it depends on what house you sit in. Mm-hmm. I think it's getting better. Um, I actually went to a conference, which was a you know a faith based conference, and they had a therapist there who's a faith based therapist, and she talked about everything. So I think it's getting better. However, I still think we have the old traditional um, things like God will fix everything and Mm. anything that is things that people can't necessarily explain. Yes. um, That it is the devil. And Um, the first thing is, oh, you could pray it away. That's I, yes, yeah. we can pray. We can pray, but, but we need something besides yes. that. And I think when people, here's the thing: when people interpret um, whatever you read the correct way, it's like faith without works is dead, right? And I love God. You know, mm-hmm. yep. I love the Lord. I, I never. I love the Lord. I love God. But I also think that the Lord provides us with resources. I love God, but I go to the doctor. If I felt like I was having a heart attack, I'm not going to the emergency room. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to be like, let me pray this away. Um, So I think people need to be more realistic in that. And I think the old church, um, old religion, and then just some, sometimes people have been taught things that are wrong by people that they love and had good intentions, but it's not right. Right. Um, so I think that there's a space for that, even in all, really, not just my religion, but in all religions to really address that. I think it's no different than bringing it into school. Um, probably going to be one of my, you know, I'm in school to be a therapist. We'll see what does say the Lord because he's You'll been be pushing fine. me. He's been pushing me all different ways, but. Um, that's actually one of my places that I want to do. I want to do faith-based counseling. You know what I mean? I, I 100% of course, believe in God. I'm not, you know, I'm not exempt to, you know, my actual religion or anything, but I, I believe in God or whatever people believe in, but, um, mental health is real. And I talked about that on a podcast. I rem- I, I don't know. You probably didn't listen to the episode yet, but I remember even not even to suicide, but I remember, you know, my, me and my mom having a conversation about losing my sister. And I said to her, you never even asked me if I'm OK. And her answer to me was that I prayed for you. But the generation that my mom comes from, that is what she's been taught to do. 
So she is only giving me what she could give me. Right. Um, so in that, you know, again, I'm in a different place to even understand that. Had I heard that years ago, I probably would have reacted in the way that I reacted. But I think we need to take that stigma off and acknowledge that and acknowledge that even in the audience of, who, you know, the, the post that you sent me, that there's probably somebody sitting right in that audience who, or probably a number of people who have lost their sons to suicide. And, and daughters. Let's and not leave daughters. Out the girls. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, of course, it was a Mother's Day thing. And I was just thinking sons because I was thinking AD. But um, both. But I don't think, I don't, I don't know if we'll get to a place. Um, this space is a space not only for um, being safe and vulnerable, but it's my prayer that it'll change people's thought process lens um, and that it would really provoke thought mm-hmm. about how we look at certain things. And probably, I don't even know how, how far back. I I don't know if I would have looked at it the same. You know what I mean? I, I, I can't, I can't say, Um but I think we need to talk about it more and we need to do exactly what we're doing tonight more that people know that it happens. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we want to prevent it as much as it is. But if it if people have suffered that loss, that it's acknowledged and not kind of swept under the rug and put into that box of secrets exactly. that the family doesn't talk about. I love that you were honest with your your son. Um, well, I had no choice. Uh, well, sometimes, and I, I, my 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 saying or or the saying is like you know, what is always in the dark shall come to the light. Is that sometimes what or how you probably would have told him or or what you would have have told him you would have rather not been pushed in the corner to tell him. But who knows? You know what I mean? It it, it probably helped him. Maybe he didn't understand it at first, but who knows? I think you will later on in life know, but I, I think that's one of those things that we have to get more comfortable with if that does happen, not hiding that from the family. Because what if, God forbid, what if somebody else in the family is having that same thing? And like you said, some of those um, imbalances run in families. So it's funny that you mentioned that mm-hmm. because he's actually not the first in my family. Wow. I don't know if I ever told you that. No, I don't think you ever told me that. My dad is the seventh of eight children. Mm-hmm. And so he actually lost his younger brother mm. um, to suicide. Wow. So he that happened before my brother even, you know, was born. So he never met that uncle. Yeah. Um, but it was kind of like deja vu all over again. Yeah. So my father can relate to my pain as far as losing... His younger brother. His younger brother. And now, unfortunately, he can relate to the pain of his father of losing his youngest son. So it's it's mind-blowing that it's like, okay, not one, but now two. Two. And I think that honestly did play a part in me keeping it from my son. Being nervous that he would, yeah. Because he was... And still to this day, even at times, he's so much like my brother. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you're so much like your uncle. Um, <laughs> he looks like him too. He looks, he looks like, like him too. I was gonna say, he looks well, we like all him. look alike, Y'all so look yeah. Alike. yeah. Um, but it was just that fear of I don't want this to be part three. Got you. So I understand I, that. I got so you. if I can keep that from him, fine. 
you're right though. Looking back now, would I have wanted to break that news to him at 20 or 21? Could he have really handled it mm-hmm. the way he did? I yeah. mean, I'm not going to lie. He It was a rough like week. Yeah. Um, But I think he was able to process it, mm-hmm. adapt, and then move forward. Yeah. So it may have been the best thing to happen. Um, him learning that way because yeah that it, I'll be honest it was like a secret like and it may be why sometimes I didn't talk about my brother as much as I should have gotcha. because it's like I don't want to slip up and say, and say yeah so yeah wow so I, I first of all I thank you for coming here thanks for having me I, I, I thank you I know the listeners will thank you for this um, because this is a tough conversation um, and we've talked about tough tough things you had me in here crying but I, I want to um first I, I and of course I'm going to of course load your Instagram or Facebook whichever you're comfortable with because I want anybody who listens to this that needs to have a conversation to 100% reach out to you and I know you're, you're open to that so I think on um Facebook you're just Africa Lead Dash Wilson Nelson. Nelson. Mm-hmm. I'm about to say Wilson Lord. Nelson. <laughs> you about to have my and husband that, like, Who's husband Wilson? like oh we, I'm I'm sorry, Anton. I'm sorry. I mean no 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 different. No I don't want no problems. Um and then on Instagram Instagram I think is uh Africa J seven eight. Ninety Oh, yeah, it's Africa underscore nine eight seven eight. Yeah, I got you. Um, but I'll put all that in there so people can reach out or if they have anything. Can you give? I guess. Do you have any words of wisdom that you want to share with the with any of the listeners or anybody who is either dealing with um, mm. those places of? I don't want to say darkness, but I just feel like those dark places or has lost somebody to suicide and it's just in the grieving process of you know yeah so for those that may know someone that's struggling um if they're giving you warning signs or they're saying things to make you believe that they would hurt themselves um don't take it lightly don't think you're overreacting get them help um you know you can call crisis hotline I don't want to say call the police first because we all know how that can turn out sometimes with with mental health phone calls. Um, But take what they're saying seriously because you don't want to have that conversation with the person and then they do do something and then you're living with the regret regret of if I would have just called somebody. Gotcha. So take that seriously and just be there for them. You know, be that non-judgmental ear that they can talk to. Just, Just let them talk. And then for those that are going through it, life is hard for yeah. all of us. But just know that don't make a permanent decision for a temporary problem mm. because you can't come back from it. Yeah. My niece will never know her dad the way that, you know, my son kind of knew him. Yeah. So you have children. Think about your children. Think about your parents. One thing I would say, and I don't want to suggest this, but I would probably say, if you're somebody going through it, mm-hmm. go sit at one of those survivor meetings and listen to those people wow. tell their stories. And then ask yourself, do I want my mother or my father sitting up in this group? Mm-hmm. Do I want my sisters or my brother sitting up in this group? Because it's real. It's real. So That's great advice. I I have no words of wisdom on this one. I think you said a mouthful and I think that 
the people that listen will be saved or save somebody else's life and know how to. I hope so. Yeah. Thanks for having me. If they're having problems, call 1-800-273-TALK. Talk to somebody. I know that's right. Y'all heard it. Tell them, tell them the number one more time. 1-800-273-TALK. So we are out of here. I love you. I love you too. Oh, I'm so glad that you came. Thanks for having me. <sighs> it was very therapeutic. <laughs>